Friends, if you have your Bibles, please open to the Gospel of John. We'll begin in verse 17, read through verse 44. Big thank you to Blair who read the first 16 verses of our text today. We're simply picking up with that 17th verse, reading to verse 44. If you're able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Again, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, starting with verse 17, reading through verse 44. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Pray with me, please. Lord, we acknowledge publicly the truth of your word. That the Bible is not man's best effort on paper. It is the very word of the living God. God breathed. You have given it to us, Father, that we might know exactly what you intended to tell us. Father, as we study this fourth I am today, I am the resurrection and the life. Be glorified, grow us in our faith, nourish our souls, feed us from your table, teach us to love you and to love each other more, teach us to see the power of God. Bless this time, we ask it all in Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Friends, we are right in the middle of our series on the I Am's of Christ. Three weeks ago, we started in John 14, and we learned that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Two weeks ago, Pastor Darrell taught us from John chapter 8 when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Last week, Blair shared with us from John chapter 10 when Jesus said, I am the the gate. Today we reach the fourth of the seven I am's here in John chapter 11. The word of God teaches us, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. On the screen, we're going to put the big picture, the theme I want you to see today. It's going to stay up there the whole sermon and it's this, the prince of life is ever the conqueror of death. If you have your bulletin, four simple points today, we're going to look at what I call the purpose, the claim, the compassion, and the power. That, that outline being found on the back of your bulletin, the purpose, the claim, the compassion, and the power. Well, let's dive right into it with that first point on the purpose of this text. You know, about three weeks ago when we looked at that series on the way, the truth, and the life, we opened up by saying that, you know, in this world, every single one of us has trouble. Every single one of us has problems and concerns. That could be at work. That could be at home. That could be at school. We all have trouble. And when we read the scriptures concerning our anxieties or our troubles, we find Verses like 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. The Bible teaches us to cast our cares, our troubles on the Lord. But I have a question for you. What if you casted your care upon the Lord and the Lord clearly knows your problem, yet 
the Lord does not immediately respond to your problem. In fact, what if God says no to your request? Or what if God says, wait, I'm not ready to answer that right now? What if God said something like that to you? You know, in times like that, when we look, look at it on the surface, if God says no, maybe to something that we're praying that we think is good and agreeable to his word, to scripture, and God responds with a wait or with a no, in those times, it's easy for us to think that God might be cruel or that he doesn't even care about me. Or maybe God has completely forgotten about me. Why isn't he responding immediately to my request? And it feels like a completely hopeless situation. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Well, if you have, pay, close, pay very close attention to the text today. Because the situation I just described is the exact situation in the text today. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus had three particular friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were all brothers and sisters. And the Bible says that Jesus dearly loved all three of these people. And they had a big problem. You see, one of the three, Lazarus, was sick, even to the point that he was getting ready to die. So they sent word to Jesus asking for help. You could say it this way. They put out their prayer request. They casted their care on God, didn't they? They sent word to Jesus. You see, by this point in the book of John, they absolutely know Jesus can do something. I mean, think about it. We're in the 11th chapter. By this point in John, Jesus had already turned water into wine. He'd already healed the man at the pool at Bethesda. He took two fish and five loaves and fed 5,000 people. He walked on water. And in the ninth chapter, as Blair taught us last week, he healed a blind man. You have a resume like that and someone is sick? Yeah, we're going to call on you. Come, my brother is sick. Please help him. Jesus. But when Jesus finds out about this prayer request, what does he do? He waits. In fact, the Bible goes to such great lengths that it tells us he stayed not one, but two extra days. What? You know, on the surface, to, to many folks, that would seem cruel, wouldn't it? I mean, look, if you and I had the ability to heal someone and we found out that someone was sick, you would think that we would immediately get up and run to where the sick person was laying and heal the person if we had the power to do that. But friends, right here, the Bible is teaching us that something different is going on. It teaches us that from time to time, God has different plans for our lives. 
plans that don't match what we think should happen, and we find that God's plans are actually much greater, and His plans lead to a far, far better result. Before we look at that, I want you to see the specific purpose, though, that Jesus says for this event with Lazarus. Zoom in on verse 4. If you have your Bibles open still, look at verse 4. Because Jesus steps back and he teaches us the big picture of what's going on. Not the little picture of Lazarus being sick. The big picture of what's going on is found in verse 4. Verse 4 says, When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The big picture, Jesus says, is glory needs to be brought to God. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it. And what this teaches us, friends, is that part of glorifying God is actually God strengthening His disciples through a time of difficulty. You see, God allows His people to go through difficult times to strengthen their faith. I talked to my brother Carol Killow this morning. I reached out to him on the phone. He's out of town today. But I asked him if I could tell the story. And he said I could. Y'all know we've been praying for Carol's son-in-law for a long time. Terrence Crawford. He's the one who has had cancer. He's gone through extreme measures to get this cancer in remission, which is now, he's now in remission. And since August of last year till now, Terrence has gone through some very, very difficult and hard things physically, mentally, emotionally. Not only Terrence, but his dear wife, his children. It's affected Carol and his entire family. But Carol said, here in the session meeting on Wednesday night, and he spoke to us as elders. He said, brothers, I want you to know we're thankful that that God has put Terrell in remission. But I want you to know how thankful we are for the past 11 months. Because God has used this difficult time in Terrence's life to grow Terrence's faith, to grow his wife's faith, to grow his children's faith. And God's used that to to grow our faith. You see, friends, Jesus never says, come to me and I'll make all your problems go away. never says that. He says, come to me and when you have problems, you can take heart because I've overcome your problems. I've overcome the world. We're going to find out today that Christ has even overcome death. But I could call Carol up today if he was here and he would testify to what God has done in his life, the building of faith in his heart because God walked through with him through an amazing trial. Now jump back with me to the book of John chapter 11. Jump back with me to Jesus, Mary, and Martha. Because now we have a question to ask. Here's the question. What was the most effective means of Jesus strengthening the faith of Mary and Martha? Was it immediately to jump up and respond to their request and run and heal a sick man? Or was it to wait two days 
and raise a dead man to life? Ponder that question. You see, Mary and Martha, they knew Jesus was powerful because of the things he had already done. But they had no idea how powerful he really was. Still at this point, they thought death had power over Jesus. He was good at some things, but he couldn't take on death. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't run to heal him. He waits two days. And he causes Mary and Martha to wait. Why? Because he wants them to see his glory. He wants them to grow in their faith. He wants them to realize just how powerful Jesus really is. And Jesus goes so far that he arrives the fourth day after his death. That, what that tells us is that the body is already decomposing. In other words, not only is he dead, he's really dead. There's no hope of him coming out of that tomb. But friends, we learn that what might seem to some as cruel delay by Jesus is actually tender concern for his friends. It's an opportunity for them to grow in their faith while they see the power and the glory of God. And what we learn from this, beloved, is that when God says no or when God says wait to our prayer requests, It's not because he doesn't love us. This text clearly says that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's teaching us that God will take us through a storm to glorify himself, to build faith in us, and to show us that his way is greater. His way is better. That's the purpose of this narrative. Secondly, today, let's move forward in the text and see Jesus' claim. Mary and Martha, you know, we meet them in other parts of Scripture, specifically Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus was in their house teaching. And what was going on with the two sisters in that scene? Do you remember? Martha was running around serving and preparing, wasn't she? But where was Sister Mary? She was sitting down at the feet of Jesus. Hey, any brothers and sisters get upset when you're doing the work and maybe your brother and sister, they're just sitting around not doing anything? And what do you say? Mom and dad, tell so-and-so to get up and help me wash the dishes. Help me. Yeah, yeah, I need some help. Well, Martha did the same thing. She didn't ask her parents. She asked Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, will you please tell my sister to get up and help me serve and prepare in this house? And she's thinking, Jesus is just going to do what I asked him to do. He's obviously going to see I'm a hard worker, that Mary's not working. Ah, she needs to work. But what does Jesus do? He says, dear, dear Martha, dear Martha, Your sister Mary, she has chosen the better thing to do. Friends, Martha was a busy bee. She was one who ran around and 
worried about all the details. She probably knew all the details. She knew everything that was going on. She was well-versed in what was happening. So knowing that about Martha, as we read this text here in John 11, we see a progression in Martha, or a cycle, if you will. She goes from one thing to the other, one thing from the other. And if you'll notice with me, that cycle goes from defeat to hope. From defeat to hope. Look with me at the text. Verse 21 starts with defeat. You can hear defeat in Martha's voice. Martha, who is the busy bee, who is articulate, who knows the details. You hear defeat when she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then in the next verse, she jumps from defeat over here to hope. She says this in verse 22. But I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. So in the middle of that, in verse 23, Jesus says to her what? Your brother will rise again. And I think immediately Mary, or excuse me, Martha, jumps right back into this progression of defeat and, and, and hope. She kind of jumps to hope first this time. She, she's detail-oriented. She, she says to him, Lord, I know he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. In other words, Jesus, I'm familiar with the teaching that on the last day everyone will rise. I'm, I'm not confused about that, Jesus. I know that. But what you can hear in her voice is this, what about now? Yeah, I know he'll rise in the future, and I have a hope there, but I'm defeated now, Jesus. Let's deal with the now. You see, in Martha's heart, the darkness of defeat, the light of hope were engaged in combat. Sometimes she looked optimistic. Sometimes she looked defeated. And right in the middle of this progression, I love this, Right in the middle of this progression of defeat to hope, Jesus comes to Martha and he comforts her with this claim. What's the claim? I am the resurrection and the life. What Jesus is saying to Martha is, Hey Martha, not only am I the resurrection in the future on the last day, in the general resurrection... I am the resurrection and the life right now. And what he's trying to do is squash this defeat that's over here on this side. And Jesus is trying to fan the flame of hope that's on this side. And he hopes that that flame will grow into a bright, burning, and open flame. And then Jesus develops what he says in verse 25. Look at verse 25 again. Jesus says it this way in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying at the moment of death, if you believe in Christ, even though you die physically, you will live eternally. And if you are currently a believer, he says, you will never die spiritually or eternally. Then Jesus asked Martha 
that question. The question in verse 26, do you believe this? He doesn't ask Martha, he doesn't ask her, do you think this is a good idea? Or do you like this? Or do you think this would be politically appropriate? No. He says, do you believe this? Friends, I want you to hold on to that question for just a minute. We're going to come back to it. But for now, let's continue the story as we move to our third point, the compassion. The Bible says at this point, Martha went to get Mary, and Mary came quickly to the Lord Jesus Christ. She fell at his feet. And when she did, she continued the same theme of defeat that we already found in Martha. Look at verse 32. Hear the defeat of Mary. Now, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Completely defeated. Verse 33 tells us that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and he was greatly troubled. And we get to that verse 35 at this point. We all know it. The shortest verse. Jesus wept. He wept with Mary. He wept with Martha. Friends, what compassion Jesus had for Mary and Martha. Even though both Mary and Martha doubted his power over death, you know what? At that moment, Jesus didn't focus on what they should have known. He didn't do that. What did he do? He showed compassion on them. He embraced them. He loved them. He wept with them. Friends, the humanity of Jesus Christ shows us how much God truly loves you and me. You see, when Jesus came down from heaven, he did not stop short of our humanity. No, God did not partially identify with you and me. He fully identified with you and me. He was flesh and blood, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. The Bible says, as a man, Jesus did everything that a man does. He ate and he slept. Jesus felt grief. He experienced pain. Jesus laughed and he loved. And this text says that Jesus mourned and he wept. He wept. God is crying tears with his arms wrapped around people that he loves. And he wept with them. Verse 36 says, Even the other Jews said, See how he loved them. But verse 37, notice the folks in that verse. The people off to the side, what I'm going to call the group of complainers, the murmurers in the back. Verse 37 teaches us that there was a group of people who said, Why didn't he come earlier? Why didn't you come, Jesus, when we asked you to come? 
things would have been different, Jesus, if you had done what we asked of you a couple days earlier. Why didn't you do what we asked you to do? If you had done what we asked you to do, everything would be fine. But Jesus continues to move forward. And we finally see that last point. His power. Jesus moves to the tomb. He commands that the stone be taken away. But again, it's Martha, right? The one who knows all the details. The one who dots every I, crosses every T. She says, wait a second, Jesus. You're getting ready to make a mistake. If you open that tomb, if you move that rock, a terrible odor is going to come out. And it's going to be even harder for us. To deal with his death. Don't you know Jesus. That there's a great smell that's going to come out. Once again Jesus. Reminds Martha. Of her need to believe. That she might see the glory of God. He's trying to take her from that defeat. To the hope. So the stone was taken away friends. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed to his father. And in that prayer, Jesus mentions another purpose for this narrative story. He says another purpose is that people might believe that Jesus was sent by God. Then Jesus stands before that tomb and he cries with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. Can't you imagine being there that day? Around the grief, the defeat, the heartache, the stone is rolled away, and a dead man is now made alive. He comes walking out of that tomb, bound in the same linens they had put on him before they put him in there, wrapped around his head and neck. For four days he had been dead. But now he was alive. Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Friends, if you read ahead in the text, we didn't read this portion, but if you read the rest of John chapter 11, you're going to find that there were two main reactions to this narrative. Verse 45 says that many people believed in Jesus because of what he had done. But verses 46 and 4 teach us that the Pharisees, when they found out that Jesus had raised a man from the dead, they still refused to believe. In fact, they hardened their hearts towards God. Friends, as we conclude this sermon today, I want us now to enter a time of asking questions, giving you things you can take away from this sermon. First question is this. Have you ever found yourself to be in the situation that Mary and Martha were in? You have a problem. You reach out to the Lord. Yet the Lord hesitates in responding to you. You think the Lord should do this or that. You've studied the Word of God. You know the will of God according to Scripture. But you might not know God's secret 
will for your life. And then calamity happens. And you find yourself saying, Lord, if you had only listened to me, if you had only done things the way I said they should be done, this calamity would not have happened. Friends, if that's you today, I want you to remember the purpose of this narrative. Jesus' purpose was to glorify God and strengthen the faith of his followers by allowing them to go through a difficult time just to show them how powerful he is. We ask the question again, what was the most effective means of strengthening the faith of Mary and Martha? Was it immediately responding to their request to heal their sick brother? Or was it waiting two days that he might raise the dead to life? Yes, Mary and Martha believed Jesus was somewhat powerful. That's why they asked him to come in the first place. But they had no idea how powerful he really is. And it took Lazarus being raised from the dead to teach them what they needed to know about God. Friends, God's ways are better than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Secondly, there is no doubt about it. As our brother David shared here just a moment ago, life is hard. From time to time, the Lord will take one of our loved ones home, and we find ourselves in that terrible progression that Martha was in, going from defeat to hope, defeat to hope. In those times, let us remember what Jesus says about himself and about when a believer dies. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Our sister Joan is more alive today than we've ever known her to be. She is in the arms of the Good Shepherd, alive with Jesus Christ. Friends, because Jesus lives, we too shall live. He is the resurrection and the life, not only in the future, but right now. You see, with Christ removed, nothing but death is present, but with Christ present, resurrection and life are assured. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it absolutely amazing that we have a God who is so compassionate towards us that Jesus will weep with us when we grieve? Yet that same God is so powerful, he can take our, he can take our mourning and turn it into dancing. Because he has the power even over death. Friends, the prince of life is ever the conqueror of death. My final question to you today is the same question that Jesus asked Martha a minute ago. If you recall, I said, hold on to that. We're coming back to it. It's found in verse 26. I'll ask you boldly. Do you believe this? You know, Christianity, there's one of two answers. There's yes or no. There's no maybe in Christianity. 
The Bible makes that very clear. Jesus says, there's the sheep and the goat, there's the wheat and the tare. Paul says, you're walking in the light or you're walking in darkness. There is no middle ground. There's no neutral ground in Christianity. Do you believe this? Listen, Jesus performed this miracle when the Pharisees found out about it. They gave a resounding, no, I don't believe this. In fact, this makes me want to kill Jesus even more. Their hearts were hard against God. They did not believe. But friends, Martha answered best. She said, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Friends, if you walk through this door and you sat in this chair today with the heart of that Pharisee not believing, I pray that God's grace and mercy would be in your life right now that you can walk out that door with the heart of Martha. I pray that God would make your heart fertile ground, that you would be drawn to Christ by grace through faith, that you would say yes with Martha. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who came into this world. You see, Jesus didn't stop there because he went to the cross himself and took upon your sin and my sin. And Jesus died just like Lazarus died. But we know the answer with Jesus. Even though these disciples saw him raise Lazarus, they didn't think he could be raised. Yet Jesus conquers death. On that third day, he rose again. He's seated with his Father. He sent his Holy Spirit to you so that you can be saved from your sin. And guess what? If your life is connected to Christ, though you die, yet shall you live. Because in Christ, death is conquered. The Prince of Life is ever the conqueror of death. Today is God drawing you to himself. Remember, Jesus said one of the points of this narrative was that people might believe He is the Christ, that He is sent by God. Friends, it's not too late. Jesus loves you. He has paid your price. Come to Christ today. Pray with me, please. Lord God, we thank You for who You are and for what You've done. Lord Jesus, that You are not only the way, the truth, and the life, You are not only the light of the world, you are not only the gate, but today you are the resurrection and the life. And we anticipate the day of your return when we will literally be raised with you. As Blair read this morning, that corruptible body putting on incorruption, that death will be swallowed up in victory, that we shall be changed. Lord, teach us That when you say no or when you say wait, you're not being a cruel God. But you have something better, something greater for us. Let us be patient and to constantly seek the Lord. And if there's one here who doesn't know you, would you draw him or her to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.